Greetings, people loved by God. Welcome to worship on this, the 14th Sunday after Pentecost. For our friends who are worshiping online, uh, as a, uh, just a reminder, as I, I usually give to you, you can always go to our website, which is chapelofthecross.org, and there you will find the bulletin for this service under the resources tab. Uh, you, there are also options for giving your offering to the Lord under the give tab there on the website. I've got a few announcements to share with you before we begin worship this morning. One last reminder, our Wednesday evening Bible classes are starting up this upcoming Wednesday, September 6th. 6.30 p.m. is when they start. There are two classes to choose from. One is a continuation of the study of the New Testament book of Hebrews. And then the other is the discovery class, which is an adult confirmation class or a re just a review class for what we believe, teach, and confess here at Chapel of the Cross. All are invited to come to one of those evening, service, uh, evening classes, 6.30 p.m. again on Wednesday is when they start. 
One last reminder also about music ensembles. So they are starting up this week as well, either Wednesday or Thursday, depending on the ensemble. Information about that is all listed in the, on the back side of your chapel weekly today. Please consider serving the Lord in the music ministry of chapel. Our women's fellowship group will be gathering on Saturday, September 9th, 9.30 a.m. until 12 noon. All ladies are invited to attend that, and please bring a light brunch item to share. You will meet downstairs in the lower level. Uh, there's more information about that, again, in the Chapel Weekly about this women's fellowship opportunity. And for our men, please note the announcement in the Chapel Weekly regarding that free PSA screening taking place at the Twillman House on Saturday, September 9th. And our congregation president, John Schmidt, has a few weird words to share about that. John? Good morning. In 2007, I was out running and I caught my foot on, the, uh, on some uneven pavement went down, sprawled myself on the concrete, and uh, scraped up my hands and my left knee. If any of you have ever scraped your left knee, you know it, it bleeds for a while and takes a while to heal. Um, so it took several days to, to kind of dry up and uh, in a couple weeks before it was really in good shape. In 2008, I was out running and did the same exact thing, except this time I scraped my right knee. Instead of the couple days, it took a couple weeks before that wound dried up and um, a couple months, really, several months, before it was really healed. So I went to see my doctor to see what was going on there, what the difference was, and my doctor suggested that I need to have a blood test to check my thyroid, because probably uh, my immune system wasn't, my healing system wasn't really working real well. They found that that is true, um, and so I take, uh, regularly take a hormone uh, to help my thyroid work better. And part of that gig is you get regular blood work. You get, you get blood tests to make sure that, that, um, that th those levels stay in the appropriate ranges. And so since I'm out in there taking uh, blood tests regularly anyway, they said, well, let's check for other stuff. And one of those other things is the PSA. Uh, PSA is prostate-specific antigen. It's a protein in male blood that is produced by the prostate or by prostate cancer. And in 2014, my PSA started inching up, and in 2016, it took a big jump. And so my doctor said, you should go see a urologist. So I did. The urologist suggested a biopsy uh, to check for prostate cancer. I was the most fit person you probably knew at that time. I was running 150 miles a month at an eight-minute mile pace. Uh, all, of my, all of my stats were really good. In fact, I got super preferred rates for life insurance at that time. So I said, yes, let's do that. Let's do that test. Let's do that biopsy to rule out prostate cancer. Instead, it told me I did have prostate cancer. Uh, there was cancer throughout the prostate gland. And so in 2017, I had surgery. And my PSA level now dropped to zero, which was great. Uh, for about six months. And then, uh, then it started inching up again, showing that there was still prostate cancer in my system somewhere. The early detection allowed me to, take, uh, to, to have that surgery soon and early in the process before it had spread, but it had spread into the adjacent tissue. So in 2018, I had radiation, but because it hadn't spread very far, that radiation was, was completely successful, and my PSA has been undetectable ever since. So let me run the math for you. Um, prostate cancer is, 
is widespread and, and many men have had it and many men in this congregation have had it, including Pastor Bischoff uh, and Dave Funky. Um, but at the time of my first surgery, my blood test said that uh, if I didn't do anything, I'd have an 83% chance of survival for seven years, which, which sounded, sounded pretty good at the time, although I was in my late 40s. I said, that's probably not good enough, let's do the surgery. So if you back that up, uh, if I wouldn't have done anything, and I wouldn't have done anything if I wouldn't have taken the blood test, um, then I would have a one in six chance of not surviving to see next year's opening day. Um, so why do I tell you all this? Um, early detection in all forms of cancer is essential uh, and in other diseases too. The PSA test is easy. It's a blood draw that takes less than a minute uh, 24 to 48 hours later, you'll have the results. You'll have the information you need to decide what you do next, if anything. Um, uh, so, so knowledge is power. This conversation has been for the men, but women, you know you have your own tests you're supposed to be doing. Um, so, so do that. Um, the information that you get, who knows, uh, might, might be the information that, that uh, saves your loved ones from a little bit of grief. Um, Thanks, uh, and get the free test. If you can't show up that day, just go to your doctor. It's cheap, easy, quick. Thank you. Thank you, John, for sharing that. And again, you can see the weekly for the number to call to get your reservation for that free test. Or like John said, you can just go see your doctor and ask for that. Our director this week, this weekend, is, is John Jordan. John is standing in the back there. He's going to greet you at the door as you leave today. Get to know John as one who serves on the board of directors here at Chapel of the Cross. And our elder this weekend is Ken Kreitner up here. He's going to also be greeting you at the door. Get to know him, and I know both of those gentlemen would like to get to know you as leaders here in the church. God's blessings to you as we worship together. We stand and share the peace of our Lord with one another, after which we will sing our entrance hymn.
the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us draw near with a true heart and confess our sins to God our Father, imploring Him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to grant us forgiveness. Our help is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven and earth. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Almighty God, merciful Father, I, a troubled and penitent sinner, confess to you all my sins and iniquities with which I have ever fed you, and for which I justly deserve your punishment. But I am sorry for them, and repent of them, and pray for your boundless mercy. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, be gracious and merciful to me, a poor sinful being. Forgive my sins, give me your Holy Spirit for the amendment of my sinful life, and bring me to life everlasting. Amen. In the mercy of Almighty God, Jesus Christ was given to die for you, and for his sake, God forgives you all your sins. To those who believe in Jesus Christ, he gives the power to become the children of God and bestows on them the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord be with you. Let us pray. Almighty God, your Son willingly endured the agony and shame of the cross for our redemption. Grant us courage to take up our cross daily and follow him wherever he leads, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. You may be seated for the Old Testament reading. The Old Testament reading is from the 15th chapter of Jeremiah. You understand, O Lord, remember me and care for me, 
Avenge me on my persecutors. You are long-suffering. Do not take me away. Think of how I suffer reproach for your sake. When your words came, I ate them. They were my joy and my heart's delight. For I bear your name, O Lord God Almighty. I never sat in the company of revelers, never made merry with them. I sat alone because your hand was on me and you filled me with indignation. Why is my pain unending and my wounds grievous and incurable? Will you be me to me like a deceptive brook, like a spring that fails? Therefore, this is what the Lord says. If you repent, I will restore you that you may serve me. In utter worthy, not worthless words, you will be my spokesman. Let this people turn to you, but you must not turn to them. I will make you a wall to this people, a fortified wall of bronze. They will fight against you, but you will not overcome you. For I am with you to rescue and save you, declares the Lord. I will save you from the hands of the wicked and redeem you from the grasp of this cruel. This is the word of the Lord.
epistle is from 12th chapter of Romans. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low positions. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil by good. This is the word of the Lord. Please stand for the Holy Gospel. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 16th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said. This shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world, yet forfeits his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what he has done. I tell you the truth, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated.
I invite the children to come forth for today's children's message. Well, good morning, everyone. So today, I want to talk to you about the epistle lesson from Romans 12. Does everybody know what the word epistle means? No? Well, an epistle is another word for letter, like a letter uh, that we would receive in the mail. The epistle is very important because it tells us a lot about what God has done for us through His Son, Jesus Christ, and how God wants us to act towards one another. So, the Apostle Paul writes this letter to the Roman church, which is telling them about the true marks of a Christian, about how God wants us to act towards one another. And with God wanting us to act in certain ways that are better than others, you know, not to do bad or do the wrong things. So today I want to show you a few pictures, and I want you to tell me what you think is going on here, if it's a good thing or if it's a bad thing, okay? So in this picture, you think this is a good thing or a bad thing? Yeah, it is a good thing. These kids are being nice to one another and helping each other read a book, right? God wants us to help and be friendly with one another. This is the way that we serve the Lord. This is a good thing. How about this picture? Is this a good thing or a bad thing? A bad thing, that's right. Uh, we should not be mean to each other. We should not do bad things to each other. Like these kids who are yelling and being mean to this little girl, making her feel bad. But God wants us to bless each other, right? To speak good words and be nice to each other. Kind of like in this picture. In this picture, this little boy is sad. He's either been hurt or someone has taken something from him or someone was just being mean to him. But these two older boys, they're helping him comforting him, and helping him with whatever problem that he has. This is how God wants us to act, to treat each other good. Now, how about this picture? Good or bad? Bad. Why is it bad? <laughs> is she not listening? Yeah, she's not listening to her, her, her mom. But we should listen, right? Yeah, because uh, we are to listen... To all people, especially those who are older than us, like our parents, because God has put our parents in charge of us to help raise God's children, help raise us, right? So we are supposed to listen. We're supposed to listen to all people who are older than us, the government, and anybody who has authority over us, because this is a good thing. It helps us grow, and we are better Christians for that. Now, how about this picture? Is this good or is this bad? Good. Yeah, it is good, right? Uh, we are supposed, you know, to help our parents 
and to help other people with chores and with all types of work because it pleases God that we help other people because sometimes it is just too much for some people to do things because God made us to be helpers. He wants us to help other people as God has helped us in our lives. This is a good example of how we all should act. And when we act good, right, it makes our parents happy. It makes other people happy as well. When we don't act like the little girl in that first picture, right, who was not listening. So picking up our rooms, doing our homework, and many other things shows love and it honors our mothers and fathers. It honors everyone when we are willing to help. God is always helping us, and God wants us to help others as well. Now, this one might be a little bit more trickier. Is this a good thing or a bad thing? Bad thing. Why is it a bad thing? You don't know? Well, I'll tell you. Exactly. These two boys are taking things that do not belong to them. But there's a little girl in the picture, right, who's not taking something. In fact, she's warning them and telling them, don't do it. Don't do the wrong things. But sometimes in our life, when we stand up for what we know to be right, people could get mad at us, make fun of us, be mean to us for what we believe. We should never take things, and we know we shouldn't take things, because this doesn't make God happy or make other people happy, and we could get in serious trouble for it. So God tells us, though, that when bad things are going on, that we should not do them as well, but that we should overcome them by doing the right things, just like this little girl who is refusing to take stuff like the two boys are. Now, God loves us dearly, right? He's always with us. God does not want us to treat other people badly like we've been talking about. But when bad things happen to us and people are being mean to us, you know what God tells us to do? He tells us not to worry about it, that God will one day take care of it himself. So how do we look to God? We look to God in prayer, right? We look to God uh, to prayer. We, we could pray by ourselves. We can pray with other people. And we could pray for all people. Because God loves it when we are faithful to Him and put our trust in Him as we grow as Christians. Now, God knows that we are not perfect, right? God knows that sometimes we make bad choices, that sometimes we are mean to other people, that sometimes we take things that don't belong to us, and that sometimes we don't listen to our parents. But God is forgiving. God loves us. And when we are sorry for those things, God is always willing to forgive us. And coming to church, like this family in the picture, God loves to spend time with us so that He could teach us about what is right and how to come overcome evil with good. Now, there is no greater gift than what... Yeah, Jesus is up there. Yeah, well, Jesus, see this picture of Jesus right here? Yeah, 
But there is no greater gift, right, than what God has given the whole world than Jesus Christ. Jesus sits with us now and overcomes all sin for us, which is everything that we have ever done. He has forgiven us. Jesus lived. Jesus died. And Jesus was resurrected for you and for everybody, covering all of our sins, protecting you with His love, and giving you strength and courage to stand up for the right things over the wrong things, right? So Jesus guides us. Jesus protects us. And Jesus holds our hands and promises that one day He will return and we will not have to uh, worry about these bad things because Jesus will take us home because the good has overcome the evil. Amen? Amen. All right. Thank you, guys.
Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. How quickly things change. In last week's Gospel reading, we heard Peter's great confession. Remember that? When Jesus asked the disciples who they say that he is, Peter confessed, you are the Christ. You're the Son of the living God. And Jesus called Peter, blessed. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. And he taught that, the, that God the Father had given this rock-solid confession to Peter and said that the whole entire church would be built upon it. And now, only five verses later, Peter is telling Jesus how to operate his plan of salvation. I mean, last week, we see Peter allowing God to work through him as he boldly and faithfully made his confession about the Christ. This week, we see Peter allowing Satan to work through him, to cloud his thinking and to affect his speaking. How quickly things change. Satan was always working to find ways to convince Jesus to take the easy way out, to avoid going to the cross. We see that especially when Satan tempted Jesus in the wilderness, all the way back at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Among other false promises, Jesus was offered the entire world if he would just do what? Bow down and worship the devil. That was Satan's deception, that if Jesus did what the devil offered and took the easy way out, then he would have just this smooth road of earthly power. And doing that, giving in to any one of Satan's temptations, would have meant that God's plan of salvation would not be fulfilled. But Jesus had set his mind on the things of God, not the things of man, and he answered the devil's temptations with, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. But the devil doesn't give up so easily, does he? So here he is again, working in and through one of Jesus' closest friends. In answer to Jesus' question, who do you say that I am? Peter declares that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. And that is true. <laughs> Great job, Peter. God revealed to you a wonderful thing. That's the answer to who. Who is Jesus? Well, you are the Christ, Peter says. But then comes the how. How is Jesus the Christ? How is he Savior and Redeemer and Messiah? Well, Jesus answers that question. Matthew says that Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders and the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed. And on the third day, be raised to life. That's how. And Peter listens to that, and he is shocked. He's upset. He's horrified. I mean, this makes absolutely no sense to Peter. So Peter takes it on himself to give Jesus a little lesson in theology. He pulls Jesus aside, away from the other disciples. You know, Peter kind of assumes this posture with Jesus of a superior instructing a subordinate. And probably with his arm draped around Jesus' shoulder, 
Peter quietly and yet sternly corrects Jesus. Never, Lord. This will never happen to you. Lord, didn't you hear what I just said? You are the Christ, the Son of God, the King. Now is not the time to talk about crosses and suffering and death. Now is when we plan our parade into Jerusalem for your coronation. And of course, because we know this text, we know what's coming. Jesus rebuked Peter in really much the same way that he rebuked the devil. Get behind me, Satan. Jesus calls Peter, the apostle Peter, a Satan. But, But not just that. Jesus says, you, Peter, are a stumbling block to me. Jesus calls Peter a scandalon, which in Greek refers to a a rock over which somebody stumbles. (laughs) Notice that Peter is still getting portrayed in rock-like terms. I mean, remember, Jesus said, you are Peter, Petros. That's a word that means rock on which I will build my church. But Peter's not a foundation stone anymore here. No, now Peter is a trip hazard. And poor Peter. (laughs) He just didn't get it. Not yet. And I I think we understand why. Crosses hurt. Crosses are not pleasant. You know, the Romans designed crucifixion to maximize pain and suffering. I, I think sometimes we forget about that. And we see a cross as kind of a decorative piece of artwork to hang on our wall, or we wear a cross as jewelry, and that's that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But we've got so many crosses around us, perhaps they lose a little bit of their sting. You know, the cross is a reminder of something very bitter. A cross is an instrument of death. And Jesus says, yes, Peter, I am the Christ, but this is what being the Christ means. It means a cross. And then Jesus says something else that's kind of unpleasant. He says, if anybody would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Hmm. You know, following Jesus might not be so bad if that just means going out and doing nice things. You know, if, if it just means trying to follow Jesus' example of good deeds and compassion for people, right? I mean, if that's all Jesus meant by follow me, well, that's not too bad. Now, maybe those, those good deeds and compassion, there might be a little bit of a stretch for us. But, yeah, we can work on that. But no, Jesus actually says, deny yourself. And Jesus says, take up your cross, And there's where the suffering comes. And there's where the trouble begins. Crosses hurt. And oftentimes I think we're very much like Peter. And he didn't want any talk about suffering and death. He didn't want any talk about crosses. Not for Jesus, certainly not for himself. And we would prefer to skip the pain and the suffering of a cross too. Wouldn't we? 
I mean, besides taking up a cross, that is very, very countercultural, you know. Following Jesus and denying ourselves and carrying a cross as a believer, that totally goes against the grain of our society. Because a cross means weakness. And the cross means vulnerability. And the cross means servanthood. And the cross means suffering. And the cross means sacrifice. We don't want a cross, do we? But Christ, without a cross, is not Christianity. And a Christian not willing to carry a cross is not discipleship. And so Jesus rebukes Peter. He would rebuke us too if we tried what Peter tried. We cannot think that there's a Christ without the cross. And we cannot think that we can live the Christian life without following him by denying ourselves and picking up our own crosses. That's having in mind the things of man, not the things of God. Now, later on, Peter would understand. Later on, he would understand that, that we need this Jesus of the cross. See, because Peter, Peter came to understand very, very clearly that sin runs deep. The sin in his heart even caused him to deny his Lord. Remember? Jesus had said, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And Peter says, there is no way. Even if everybody else falls away on account of you, I will not. Oh, but sin runs deep. And Peter certainly did deny his Lord and deny him three times. But by the Spirit's work, Peter came to know that the only solution for his sin problem is the cross of Christ. Peter would write in his first epistle this. He says, For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you by your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. That's the solution to the sin problem. It's the precious blood of Jesus Christ shed on the cross. Peter's not the only one who's got a sin problem, you know. Our sin problem runs pretty deep, too. And that sin, it shows up in a myriad of ways. Maybe your sin shows up in pride. Or it's worry or anxiety about the future. Maybe it's self-importance or self-righteousness or... It's just plain selfishness. I mean, whatever our sin is, our sin problem runs deep. But by the Spirit's work, we come to know that the only solution for our sin problem is the cross of Christ. We are redeemed with the precious blood of Jesus shed on that cross of Calvary. It is that cross of Christ that gives us hope. In the, the small European country of Lithuania, there's this place called the Hill of Crosses. 
And, and on this small hill stand, as the name suggests, thousands of crosses. The exact number of crosses is unknown, but estimates put the number at around 100,000. It began back in the middle, of, middle 1800s when Lithuanian citizens were being murdered by the Russian Tsar. And the people would memorialize the victims with a cross on the hill. Soon many more crosses in memory of fallen family members and loved ones began to go there. And for years the crosses stood as a reminder to the people, not of the Russians' power, but of God's power, his power to love and to redeem and to save. And the Russians and later the Soviets, they hated those crosses. They even tore them down and bulldozed the hill. But they came back. The memorial kept on building, even after repeated attempts to destroy it. And it stands to this day. What began as a memorial of death became this defiant symbol of hope. Hope emerged from the crosses. The cross of Christ always gives hope. For, for us Christ followers who have been called to carry our own cross, his cross gives hope. Because our cross that we bear, it is never bigger than his. Our cross that we bear is never heavier than his. Our cross that we bear is never unbearable. Because our cross, it's merely an echo, just, just a shadow of his. Because Christ has already gained the victory Christ has already conquered death and he's conquered the devil and he's conquered that cross and he's given to us life. Christ, through the cross, gives us hope. And so in hope, we can take up our cross and we can follow him. We can deny ourselves and accept the sufferings of this life and especially the sufferings that we undergo because we are followers of Jesus the King. We know that God can and God will work for good through our suffering just as he promises. We hold on to joy even in the midst of suffering, in the midst of troubles, in the midst of trials. And we follow Jesus. We follow him all the way to the end when we will lay down our cross and receive from him the crown of everlasting life. Amen. Now may the peace of God which surpasses all understanding keep our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Would you please stand as together we speak our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. You find that either at the back side of your bulletin, or uh, I'm sorry, back side of your hymnal, or page seven in your bulletin. We confess our faith together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, who was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven 
and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let us pray for the whole people of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. Lord God, give us faith to accept where your coming led, that by your cross and resurrection we may have life in your name. Keep us from choosing the easy path that conforms to the world. Guide us to take up your cross and follow Jesus. Lord, in your mercy hear our prayer. Lord of heaven and earth, we know that you hold all things in your hands. In your mercy, provide for the needs of those who have been affected by Hurricane Idalia. Work through those who bring relief and aid, and protect all from any further harm. Draw all to the cross of Christ, who is our salvation now and always. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God of all power, give wisdom to our President, Congress, and all our leaders, that they may serve well the causes of freedom and justice. Make your presence known to our troops at home and abroad, and keep them safe as they serve our country. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord, give to the sick healing, the suffering relief, the dying peace and the sorrowful hope. We especially remember this day Doris Boyd, Peggy Miller, and Donna Stewart as she goes surgery this week. Sustain Doris, Peggy, Donna, and others who are ill with your promises. Lord, and if it be your will, give to them the blessing of your healing, your comfort, and your strength. Lord, in your mercy, Hear our prayer. Gracious God, bless those who are looking for suitable and fulfilling employment. Open the doors of opportunity to them and provide employment where they can use their God-given skills and talents in service to you and your people. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord God, we pray today for the young men and women from this congregation who are now away from home at college. Bless, guide, and govern them that they may grow in grace and in knowledge. Grant that they may serve you well, developing their skills and talents not only for their sakes, but to your glory. Protect and defend them from all danger and harm, giving your holy angels to watch over them. Lord, in your mercy, Hear our prayer. Gracious God, we have much to celebrate and give thanks for. We thank and praise you for another year of life along with Clyde Dempsey and his family as they celebrate his 80th birthday today. Continue to guard, guide, and bless him. And we thank you along with Manuel Angel and Kelsey Mansfield 
as they were joined in marriage at this altar yesterday. We ask that you would watch over and bless Manuel and Kelsey as they begin life together as husband and wife. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Into your hands, O Lord, we commend ourselves and all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. You may be seated as we collect the offering for the Lord. Please stand for the offertory.
Almighty God, we thank you for teaching us the things you want us to believe and do. Help us by your Holy Spirit to keep your word in pure hearts, that we may be strengthened in faith, guided in holiness, and comforted in life and in death. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen. Amen.